0: Join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.
1: No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you
0: are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are
2: on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you
1: are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether You're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world.
2: Good morning and Happy New Year. It is such a joy to greet this new year with all of you today. I am Amelia Richardson-Dress. I am one of the pastors here at UCC Longmont. And so along with Reverend Sarah Varasco, with Sam Sherman, with Robert Johnstead, with Our nursery staff and all of the volunteers who are here this Sunday morning, welcome. It is good to be together each and every time that we get to come together. I uh, trust that some of you were awake last night long enough to greet the New Year, so I hope that your coffee was very strong this morning. And I noticed that the folks in the sanctuary look pretty good, so I'm thinking this is maybe the we greet the New Year in the morning crowd. I joined that crowd. I heard the fireworks at midnight and was like, oh, Happy New Year. And then I went right back to sleep. <laughs> in Christian tradition, we are also in the midst of the Christmas season. We are on the eighth day of Christmas, which uh, made some milking, right? Um, as we're all I know taking a moment to do the song in our head. I always appreciate that the seasons line up this way for us, that we have this extended Christmas season that lines up with the new year because it gives us the opportunity to think about how we want to take that Christmas spirit with us into the new year. The promise of Christmas has always been that Christmas can change us, that it can change the world and I believe it can, but it also takes some work. It might take a little bit more than one day. So I like this chance to reflect on the themes of Christmas and how we're moving with that into the new year. So if you have a bulletin in front of you, you'll notice that today's service is uh, lined out in five movements. It's lined out in movements that align with the themes of Advent and Christmas the candles that we lit uh, through Advent and on Christmas Eve. And if you are joining us at home um, or don't have a bulletin in front of you, that's okay. It's meant to be a guide. We will guide you. There is no quiz. Uh, This is just letting you know how the service is going to flow this morning. And the reason it's set up this way is to be an opportunity for a mini retreat, for a chance to slow down a little, to reflect perhaps on some of the things that, came to you this Christmas season, some of the things that you want to be sure that you take with you, and just to let those sink in a little bit differently. So in that spirit of rest and renewal, let us take a moment to settle a little more fully into where we are. Let us be present to the places we are in this morning to notice what and who is around us, with us, supporting us. And if you find that you're a little preoccupied this morning, if there are thoughts or worries or to-do lists that are in your mind, you can let them know that you'll pay attention to them again in a few minutes. And you don't have to kind of shove them rudely out the door. It's okay just to let them gently know that, You're taking this time, and when you return to those thoughts, you will do it with some new perspective. And so we breathe in this breath of spirit together, knowing that the light of Christ continues to shine on us, with us, and through us. Let us stand and bring in the light, singing, Arise, Your Light Has Come. turning our attention first this morning to the theme of peace. And we are doing that as we often do on these communion Sundays, which are an intergenerational service of worship, uh, using a picture book. I appreciate the wisdom of a friend who uh, once corrected me and said, these are not children's books. They are for people of all ages, but they are picture books. We are using a picture book this morning for all of us. And this one is called The Worried Wiseman. It's by Susan Eddy, who also did the illustrations. And as we get into it, you'll see that they are um, clay. Toss, turn, tangle, Melchior woke up from the same worrisome dream. It showed a dangerous man and a perilous journey. It showed a newborn king and a star. The star told him to follow and to find this child, the king. Melchior was a wise man who studied the stars, but the thought of following a star made him worry. He worried at the well. What if we don't find water or food on our journey? He worried at the stall. Nubia, the desert is deadly. I'm afraid to leave our cozy home. He worried at his father's door. I'm afraid that father will need my help. I am scared to leave him. Day after day, he woke with more worry and more wonder in his heart. Finally, he understood that the star was calling him on a journey bigger than his worries. Father, I must leave to go on a journey. My dreams show a star and a newborn king. The star calls me to follow. But I worry because the dream shows danger. I worry that I will be lost in the desert. And I worry about leaving you alone. Don't worry, my son, I will be safe. Nubia is wise. Follow her nose and her heart. And I wanted to pause there to be sure you could see the expression on wise Nubia's face. <laughs> Melchior packed food, water, and a present for the new king. Nubia, I'm afraid we will never find this child. How do we know the star will lead us true? True. Nubia gently bumped Melchior's head. She focused on the star with faith in its path. She was not worried. They traveled, they slept, they traveled, they slept, they traveled, they slept for a long time. After many nights, Melchior said, Nubia, I am worried. Our food is gone and our water is dry. Nubia touched her nose to Melchior, then lifted it to the star. She caught scents of fresh orange and cool water. She was not worried. Nubia led them to a town. Melchior stopped his saddlebags and asked everyone he saw, Please, do you know where the new king has been born? No one knew. Melchior worried. But Nubia was not worried. She drank deeply and she crunched her grain. She had faith in the star's path. Many nights later, they met two travelers. I'm Gaspar, said one. I'm Balthazar, said the other. Please, Melchior asked, do you know where this new king has been born? why we were searching for the child too. Our books tell us of a great teacher whose birth is foretold by this star. We're bringing the new king gifts of honor. Shall we travel together? Melchior worried. Balthazar, your horse may be too swift. Nubia chewed her cud. She knew her long legs could keep up with any desert steed but Melchior worried. Gaspar, your elephant may be too slow. Nubia spat softly. She knew the strength in those lumbering legs. Still, Melchior worried. Could Balthazar or Gaspar be the dangerous man of his dreams? Nubia nudged Melchior toward the travelers. She was not worried. Together they traveled. They asked to everyone they met, do you know where the new king has been born? No one knew. And Melchiar was afraid they would never find the child. King Herod heard of their questions and he summoned them. He was afraid too. Herod was afraid of losing his throne to this newborn king. Find the child for me. I want to honor him, he lied. Melchior frowned. Surely, he worried, King Herod couldn't be the dangerous man of his dreams. Nubia was not worried. That very night, she fixed her eyes on the star and she followed her heart. The star led them to the newborn king. She knelt at his feet, and she knew that the star had guided them true. "'I bring myrrh to honor the child as human,' said Balthazar. "'I bring gold to honor the child as king,' said Gaspar. "'And I bring frankincense to be burned in the honor of God,' said Melchior. The child king smiled, and Melchior felt his worry fade and his wonder grow. But later that night, he tossed, turned, tangled, and woke with a cry. Nubia, I dreamed that Herod would harm the child. I had the same dream, cried Gaspar and Balthazar together. Nubia scooped Melchior up and they raced into the night. Now Nubia knew it was time to worry. As the great star sank, They warned the family of Melchior's fears. And as the sun rose, the wise men escaped by boat. The land disappeared and the seas grew deep. Melchior stroked Nubia and sighed. His fears had been heeded and the star had guided them true. Herod searched in fury, but he never found the wise men, and he never found the child king. Months later, Melchior reached home. Father, I see you are well. I am well, my son, and overjoyed to see you home safe. Did Nubia guide you wisely? yes father nubia's nose led us to food and water and her faith in following the star led us to the child i want to hear all of your adventures it is late so sleep now my son and tell me everything in the morning yawn slumber dream this dream showed the star guiding them This dream showed Melchior with Nubia and his friends by his side, brave. This dream showed the newborn king safe. And when Melchior woke, he had faith in his path and peace in his heart and not a worry in his head. As we think about that story this morning and the places where it connects to your own lives, I invite you to think about two questions. The first is, who are the people who have been people of peace or of grounding? Who are the Nubias in your life? And the second question is, what helps you know when you need to worry? What helps you know when you need to pay attention to those niggling thoughts? So if you are seated near people, we'll take a few minutes for some conversation around those questions. If you would like to move to be near people, you can. I invite those of you who are joining us from home to join with others who are near you, if you are able. If you prefer, To think about this, Uh, there's space in the bulletin on the back for some journaling or some doodling. Or you might simply hold these questions in prayer. And just thank God for the signals and the ways that God speaks to us through people and for ourselves. And we will take just a few minutes to have this space for reflection.
1: Friends, we're going to give you about another minute to put a pause on your conversations uh, and your reflections, and then we're going to move into our next movement. of the gifts of community is that our conversations don't really end, they just pause for a time. So I invite you to put a semicolon on that. And now we're going to move into a time of reflecting on hope. My image for hope historically has been the image of Emily Dickinson as a feather, and if you think about all the feathers on a wing, how hope allows us to fly in a sense. But of late, my image for hope has really shifted. Um, It's moved more into my gut and and what what is better described as the possibility that sits sort of in our gut, in our place of knowing. And unfortunately all the stuff that gets crammed on top of it. Maybe a better image is a bucket. And if you take a picture, if you imagine a bucket, um, and at the bottom of the bucket are a couple of inches of water, but what happens is that all these things get put into the bucket, and the water disperses. And it's as if hope is hard to see or find or to look at. And and so in this time of considering hope, we're going to take a look at the things that sort of disperses or moves hope away or gets piled on top of hope. And our reading comes from one of the letters that is attributed to Paul, and it's the first letter to the church in Corinth. And this letter is pretty well known for um, teaching us about love, but this time we're going to look at it through the lens of hope and in the very first chapter of this letter uh, it talks about quarrels so let's listen let's listen to this reading 1 corinthians chapter 1 starting at verse 9. god is faithful and it is by god that you were called into the communion of christ Now I appeal to you, siblings, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Quarrels among us is an indication of focusing on the wrong thing, of putting our attention into the thing that perhaps isn't most important. And so as we consider hope, as we consider time of reflecting on hope, I would like to invite you to these questions. What is it that you need to release? And what is it that you need to reclaim to live as people of hope in this new year? I met someone this week who was talking about a hurt and a resentment that he had been holding for more than 30 years. And my response was, I'm sorry that that happened to you, and I'm sorry that it still hurts. He heard that second part and he said, well, maybe I'll let it go in a couple years. I said, yeah, five or 10, 15. We chuckled a little bit, but really, now is an okay time to release things that have just been sitting in the bucket or that have been held in your gut, because releasing those things will make room for hope. And maybe now is the time to reclaim where hope has lived, and what your hopes have been. As people of Christ, our hope is something that, when it is most personal, it's also most universal. So what really is the hope of your heart, or the hope that sits in your gut? We've got a beautiful piece of music that's gonna come next to be a part of your reflection. It might be a familiar poem by Alfred Tennyson and the music is perhaps a little bit different, but let's hold on to those questions. What is it time to release and what is it time to reclaim?
3: Ring out wild bells, to the wild sky the flying cloud the frosty light the year is dying in the night ring out wild bells and let him die ring out the old ring in the new Ring happy bells across the snow The year is going, let him go Ring out the false, ring in the true Ring out the grief that saps the mind For those that hear we see no more, ring out the feud of rich and poor, ring in redress to all mankind. Ring out a slowly dying cause and ancient forms of party strife. Ring in the nobler modes of life with sweeter manners, purer lives Ring out wild bells to the wild sky, the flying cloud, the frosty light. The year is down. RING OUT WILD BELLS AND LET HIM DIE RING OUT THE WANT, THE CARE, THE SIN THE FAITHLESS COLDNESS OF THE TIMES RING OUT, RING OUT MY MOURNFUL RHYMES But ring the fuller minstrel in Ring out false pride In place and blood The civic slander and the spite Ring in the love of truth and right Ring in the common love of good ring out wild bells to the wild sky the flying cloud the frosty light out old shapes of foul disease. Ring out the narrowing lust of gold. Ring out the thousand wars of old. Ring in the thousand years of peace. Ring in the valiant man and free the larger heart the kindlier hand ring out the darkness of the land ring in the Christ that is to be ring out wild bells to the wild sky the flying clouds the frosty light the year is dying in the night ring out wild bells and let him die
2: I love this image of wild bells and the hopes that are carried through from Paul's writings to later writers and into today. Hope in many ways paves the way for joy. And so as we turn to this next time of reflection, we will begin with a poem by Anne Weems, and we will think about reclaiming our joy, about the joy that is waiting for us when we are willing to let go of the things we need to let go of. This is called simply Not Celebrate. Not celebrate? Is your burden too great to bear? Is your loneliness too much during this Christmas season? Do your tears have no end? Not celebrate? You should lead the celebration. You should run through the streets to ring the bells and sing the loudest. You should fling the tinsels on the tree and open your house to your neighbors and call them in to dance For it is you above all others who know the joy of Christmas. It is unto you that a child is born this day, one who comes to lift the burden from your shoulders, one who comes to wipe the tears from your eyes. You are not alone, for he is born this day to you. And so we turn to a time of joy and reflecting in music. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us I have given you a commandment, and the commandment is to love one another. We know that love broadens our hearts, it broadens our circles. And so we are moving into a time to reflect on love now. And we will do that beginning with um, some words of reflection and leading into a time of prayer as we think about the ways that love broadens our circles.
4: Bon Ani, that's Haitian Creole for Happy New Year. I'm going to try to get through this. Okay, today is also Haitian Independence Day, and the reason I asked to speak today is because, um, as many of you know, we adopted our son from Haiti last July. He's not here today because what I'm going to talk about might be a little scary for him, so um, that's the reason he's not here. Peterson was born in a place in Port-au-Prince called City Soleil, which is one of the poorest slums in Port-au-Prince. As many of you may not know, um, Haiti is facing a huge humanitarian crisis right now. And I want to talk to you about love and what that means in Haiti right now. Um, There's a humanitarian crisis that's been getting worse since uh, October of 2022. Cholera has resurfaced, which Haiti had eradicated three years ago. People's access to basic goods, including food, fuel, and healthcare has deteriorated. Armed gangs have taken over large swaths of the country Gangs control the main road to Port-au-Prince, and it's making it very difficult for people to receive services who live outside of the city. An estimated 1.5 million people live in areas in Port-au-Prince controlled by gangs. About 4.7 million Haitians face acute hunger. That's almost half the population. 19,000 people in City Sole are facing starvation. More people are displaced by gangs than anything else. 21,500 people are living as refugees due to gang violence. Women and children are disproportionately affected. Gender-based and sexual violence is on the rise. And in refugee and gang-controlled areas, women are giving birth without medical assistance. In City Soleil, children under 10 make up 40% of the cholera cases. Schools are closed, depriving 4 million children of an education. Humanitarian services can no longer use roads, but have to use air and water routes, making humanitarian aid more expensive to bring to Haiti. But here's the message of love and of hope. Humanitarian agencies are committed to Haiti. They're committed to creating a difference for the people of Haiti. And the reason I wanted to talk to you on Haitian Independence Day is because in 1804, Haiti was the first African-led nation that declared their independence they are the oldest African-led nation that's independent, and they declared their independence from the French. On the Haitian flag, it says liberty and fraternity, liberty and brotherhood. Out of love for his family that still lives in City Soleil, and he has a pretty large birth family. We have committed, as a family, to pray for Haiti every day. Every morning, before we go to school, sorry, we say a prayer to keep his family safe. He has a mother, and a father, and a grandmother, and four half-siblings that all live in Haiti, in Citi Soleil, The orphanage that he came from is in Port-au-Prince. In this time, it's hard to be hopeful for him. It's hard to alleviate those fears, but because we love him and we love his family and we're so grateful for the gift they gave us, we have to say a prayer. We have to keep Haiti in our thoughts and in our prayers. And so on Haitian Independence Day, where you eat a traditional meal called soup jamu, which is made with pumpkin and squash, and we'll be eating that later today, I'd ask that you, out of an abundance of love, say a prayer for Haiti because they need it badly. Thank you.
1: Well, Anna, you have opened our hearts in a new way, and thank you for what you shared. I know it's not easy to talk about. um, And we are grateful for the agencies, including Church World Service, that are active in Haiti, and a portion of our congregation's giving goes to the United Church of Christ, which goes to Church World Services. Uh, But we will join you in prayer and we will add the people of Haiti to our prayer list. And friends, I invite you um, with me now, let's just turn to a moment of prayer. To keeping our hearts open, God, please oil the hinges of our heart and swing open wide the gate that our care for the Wing family and for Peterson's family can be extended to all the people of Port-au-Prince and all the people in Haiti and those who are seeking to make the works of mercy real. May the ways and works of mercy of bringing food to those who are hungry of house, housing to those who are in need of shelter, bring care to those who are sick, bring support to those who are incarcerated, and may those who die and those who will die be honored and may their life be remembered. God, we ask that you soften our defenses and help us to experience the connections that we share with those who are near and far. And may our ways and works of mercy here touch people throughout the world. We ask for hope where there is despair. We ask for courage where there is fear. And we ask that your spirit and your presence be at work in all the places where people are in danger. In your precious name we pray, amen.
2: I'm moving around while I speak because I know it's especially fun for uh, Ken up there in the AV loft (laughs) when he tries to focus the camera and we change things. The service up to this point has been something like tapas. It has been little bites, little moments that I hope one or two offered something to you. But we are turning now to the feast, to the table, the place where we know Emmanuel, Christ with us, comes.
1: It is our practice when we come to this table to offer words of blessing, and I want to remind you that as a Christian community, we bless with our presence with our posture and with words. And I want to invite you to join in a posture of blessing, whether that means extending your hands or opening with your palms up, or even just holding your hands in a prayer position, whatever that is for you. And so God, we bring you these gifts and we ask you to make them holy by the power of your spirit that they may become our spiritual food, nurturing us in body, mind, spirit, and emotion. May all who partake from this table and tables wherever people are gathered, may they be strengthened in your ways of love, compassion, and mercy. In your precious name we pray,
2: amen. Amen. And we remember that Jesus, the person in whom God's love was made known fully, when he gathered at the table with his friends, as he often gathered with the table at his friends, he blessed the bread and he broke it And scripture tells us that on the last night that he gathered, he said to those who sat with him, those who brought their hopes and their grief and their joy, their longing for peace, he said to them in that moment, this is like my body. It is broken for you and each time that you gather and you eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And at some point during the meal, we know that
1: Jesus also took the cup and giving God thanks and praise, he took the cup and he gave it to all who gathered, saying, take this, all of you, and drink from it. This cup is my life poured out for you in love. Whenever you gather, remember me, that you may know what it is to live as people of love.